Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. More to talk about in the world of sports on this podcast. We roll along. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Thank you for joining us. We dive into the world of football. It's December, but still a lot to discuss, especially in the college game. That's where we're going to start with my buddy, Matt Wittenberg, breaking down the college football playoff rankings. Ohio State, Michigan, unfortunately canceled the Big Ten's decision on the fly to get them into the Big Ten title game, which pretty much happened as we were recording. We break down all that and what the playoff picture looks like, as well as pick a ton of games, including his territorial cup rivalry between his Sun Devils of Arizona State and Arizona. Then we're going to turn our attention to the pro game. Ryan Souls joins the show to talk about the Steelers catching their first L, which you just absolutely love to see in my case. Uh, the Browns going to 9-3, and three, one of the best starts they've had in a very long time. The Chiefs regaining form, who, again, a revolving door question, who is the best team in the NFC? And we break down some games coming up this weekend. It's Matt Wittenberg and Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect, and it's time to start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, it's time to talk college football, uh, albeit a little begrudgingly in some cases. Matt Wittenberg joins the show now. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, it is December. You know, we're getting to mid-December. We still have regular season football left. We made it here. Maybe not everybody made it here, but uh, we're ready to talk some football. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Always happy to talk college football, even in this weird, uh, bizarro half season, if you even want to call it that, so... But it's something, I guess. We can start with the uh, college football playoff rankings because we are going to get to Ohio State-Michigan not happening for the first time in over 100 years, which uh, you could definitely tell in my voice how I feel about that. But first off, I want to yeah. get to the college. Dear and dear. Yeah, oh, it's terrible. But right off with the college football playoff rankings because that's the other hot-button issue right now. Uh, with uh, the rankings as they are, Alabama and Notre Dame continue to have the one-two spots. Clemson at three. Ohio State still ranked fourth with just a five and zero record, and still looking to potentially maybe have a six game. Then it's Texas A&M, Florida, Iowa State, Cincinnati, Georgia, and Miami rounding out the top ten. Now. The first point I want to make is I don't understand the hatred, and I never was Mr. Small School guy before, but Coastal Carolina at 12, after having taken that game against BYU, props to BYU for taking it, just a phenomenal game. But the fact that they're 12 behind teams like Oklahoma, Miami, and Georgia makes me think, why are we, in, and Iowa State too, makes me think, why are we even mm -hmm. ranking these small school teams if they're not going to get any respect? Because what the committee essentially said, with is that they have no chance to make the playoff. Yeah, you're exactly right, and it's been sort of a criticism of uh, the committee from the get-go is that a lot of them are just watching the helmet and see the logos on the side and ranking based off of that rather than watching the games. So you, like you alluded to, Georgia, Miami, Oklahoma's up there. Those are those name brands that anyone recognizes, especially the committee. So I don't know what else Coastal Carolina could have done. They no one expected them to beat BYU, even though BYU was traveling across the country for that game, planned, what was it, three days beforehand. And then they still pull out the last-second upset with that huge tackle on the goal line. So, I mean, it's probably the most exciting game of college football this year, other than maybe uh, clubs in Notre Dame. But, mm -hmm. I mean, they've, they've played a decent schedule, too. They've beaten Louisiana, who's ranked. They've beaten App State. They've beaten uh, Georgia State. So. Yeah. Not exactly like Murderer's Row or anything, but they certainly had a better schedule than BYU did before 
this last game and they came out on top against BYU. So yeah, it's just frustrating. It just goes to show that not everyone has a chance in college football. It's those haves and have nots essentially. And then those right. same, the same teams are going to be in the top four that were there. What this is the exact same playoff we had, what, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, tweaked a little bit as well, but no, I really do think that, Look, you can talk me into, you know, Cincinnati is in this group, too, because they're at the eighth spot, and it doesn't look good yeah. for them. I mean, they don't have anything else to really, you know, any games to make up ground. But Coastal Carolina shouldn't have been lower than nine. Okay, Iowa State mm-hmm. has had a pretty good run since that, you know, that loss early in the year to a non-conference team. But they've got some big wins. I, I, I can live with that. I can live with Florida. But what is Miami? What has Georgia done? What's Georgia's signature win? Like, there is none. So that's where I'm at with them. And, and Oklahoma, I feel the same way. Uh, you know, it's just, what's the, you know, I've always had a problem, too. Why are we ranking out the top 25? Because, like, in, yeah. in what world? I just think rank Ohio, the top four. Like, I mean, Ohio State, really need. Ohio State had the one year where they won the whole thing the first year where, you know, they lost Virginia Tech and they were on the outside. I think 17 or so was as low as they got. But, you know, what's the point in, in going this far down? Uh, as well, it, it looks like the Big Twelve. No matter what happens there, they're not going to make it. Uh, and you know, the Pac-12, USC is basically all that's left at four and zero. But they're ranked at fifteenth. Just the number of games and the uh, lack of impressive wins, I think, spells doom for the Pac-12 for another consecutive year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not exactly a surprise given the state of the conference and then what a sort of fiasco they had with starting the season, not starting the season with how many games have been canceled, even though they waited for the daily testing to be implemented. So it's just, uh, yeah, all around poor leadership, which is not surprising from Larry Scott in the Pac-12. It's disappointing. I feel like everything would have just been better off if they kicked off when everyone else did. So it's just Mm -hmm. obviously backfired on them. And um, I don't know. We're not, the Pac-12 is not getting anywhere close to the playoff this year. So, Oregon was disappointing. USC should have lost to Arizona State week one. I'm still kind of bitter about that. But oh, I know. even if they go undefeated, obviously they're still way too much ground to make up. Not yeah. no no signature wins like you said too. Well, you got to group the Big Ten in there as well because that is a real backfire situation with what could potentially mm-hmm. cost Ohio State the playoff. Uh, not starting early, not having weeks that are free that you can you know reschedule, have built-in bye weeks, get everybody healthy. You run into this exact situation that everybody saw coming months ago. So this isn't like, oh, yep. how did this happen? Everybody knew that this could happen, and unfortunately it has. What the playoff committee has said, though, essentially, is that only six teams could be playing in this playoff. I don't see any other scenario where it's not one of those six, where it's not some combination of those six teams. Alabama, I would say, no, you know, Alabama and Notre Dame are basically in the way the schedules are right now. Even if Notre Dame loses to Clemson, they are going to make it. I think it would have to take a mm-hmm. really bad beating. Florida controls their own destiny in a lot of ways. If they can beat Alabama, they're in for sure. A&M is the one that's on the outside because they need a few things to happen. Then you get to Ohio State with this Michigan game with not taking place. There is that school of thought, and, and I, I agree with it in a lot of ways, that, you know, if you know, look, if Florida wins, they're getting in over Ohio State because Ohio State hasn't played the games, regardless of what you think talent-wise. A&M versus Ohio State is a fascinating debate, and I don't really have the answer to it because something should count for A&M playing a full schedule, playing those games, beating Florida. But on the other side, 
you know, they did have a chance against Alabama and got beaten bad. So that's one where, depending on if Ohio mm-hmm. State gets a game, what happens? Do they play in the Big Ten title game? There's still a lot to uh, to sort. But that's the that's the head-to-head debate that I think is going to be very divisive and uh, get people going and arguing. Yeah, I agree. It's no doubt about it. It's going to be those four of those six teams are going to be in the playoff. And I think if yeah, if Florida beats Alabama, then you definitely get into the argument that Alabama should still be in with that one loss, depending on how, how that game goes. But now it looks like the Big Ten, just looking at tweets from uh, Bruce Feldman saying that the Big Ten is uh, getting rid of the game requirement. So it looks like it will be uh, Ohio State and Northwestern for that Big Ten championship, which is obviously great for Ohio State, another chance to get a decent win on the schedule and then strengthen that resume. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Texas A&M, just to go to the first point you made, Florida, Texas A&M, good win for Texas A&M, close loss for Florida on the road. If Bama, I mean, Bama has a name recognition, so it would take a lot to keep mm-hmm. them out of the playoff, let's just be real. But a Bama respectable loss, and I don't even think it's a debate because A&M got handled by Alabama. So that that's where yeah. I'm at oh, yeah. in, the, in the SEC if they all end up with one loss, but... Ohio State versus A&M. Ohio State getting a chance to play Northwestern would be big. And for the people out there that are saying, you know, the Big Ten making up rules to aid Ohio State, first of all, everybody in the conference wants, everybody with a functional brain in the conference wants to see Ohio State get to the playoff because that's money for everybody else. And second of all, they made up these rules on the fly as is, so it's not like they're breaking longstanding tradition. The whole thing is extremely arbitrary. So, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with them walking that back like, I wouldn't have an issue with the Pac-12 making USC and Colorado play in the Pac-12 championship if they're both undefeated, even though they're in the same division, but their game got canceled early in the season. So, But the Pac-12 is incompetent, so that game's not going to happen. So yeah, I, I don't have any uh, any issue at all with the Big Ten walking back on that one. And everyone knows that Ohio State's the best team in the conference, so you're uh, naturally going to cater to them. They're your only chance for a playoff berth, so... Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's that's the business, that's for sure. Yeah, it's not like, you know, they they had the head to head over Indiana, the team that would go ahead of them. Uh sorry Nebraska yep. fans, but that's just how this works. Um all right, mm-hmm. you know, I, I should get to the Ohio State Michigan game getting canceled. It's, it's terrible to see. <laughs> I know it especially how good it's gone for the Buckeyes, you know, the last decade plus. But I was all ready to go given how Michigan's played so poorly with I had my milk steak ready my raw jelly beans I was ready to go <laughs> and uh you know it gets canceled and uh it's a shame for a lot of reasons uh obviously the kids that go to Ohio State dream of playing in this matchup Ohio State was going to be mm-hmm. a 30 point favorite Michigan was circling the drain and the cherry on top is they're talking about extending Harbaugh anyway so this was the perfect scenario for me but alas it's not going to happen yeah it's disappointing on every level obviously i mean i'm sure the kids at michigan even though obviously it probably wouldn't have gone their way i'm sure they're just as distraught about not being able to play in that matchup as the ohio state side so it just it sucks for everyone involved it sucks for the networks it sucks for the college for college football it sucks for the conferences that's one of the premier matchups in all of college football one that's rivalry games is Mm -hmm. what separates college football from the nfl is having that long-standing history that bitterness between schools and it's just yeah it's one of the another reason added to the long list of reasons that this has been not a good year whatsoever um Mm -hmm. yeah not not the way that you want to finish the season off so it's uh unfortunate for everyone 
It really is uh, when you also you know factor in that I don't think Michigan. I mean, I, I mentioned this last week. This isn't a case of Michigan laying down. This is you know obviously they're they're ridden with COVID and, and positions of impact, mm-hmm. especially. But it is something that's been happening where you got to weigh the costs of is it worth keeping going when we're basically out of it? What are we playing for with bowl season being compromised? So this was on yeah. everybody's radar uh, weeks ago, and obviously a reason why starting the season would have been earlier. But again, selfishly, would have liked to see Ryan Day try to hang a hundred on him, like he said at the beginning of the year. So uh, not to be. Maybe we'll see what happens with uh, the Northwestern game and beyond. But Matt Winberg here on the Money Mitch Effect, the only way that I'm going to lift my spirits is to uh, you know be financially irresponsible and pick some uh, games betting-wise. <laughs> so we can we can look at the slate this week, which, uh, again, an added bonus. We're playing in December regular season games, so there is uh, a lot of football now. We're not getting ready for conference championship week, and uh, there's still a lot on the slate. So I guess with that, I'll, uh, I'll turn it over to one of us who gets a rivalry game this week. That that yeah, cup is go. on Finally. the line. Territorial Cup on the line, and uh, Arizona State looking for their first win of the season, and it comes against a very very down ridden Arizona team. So thoughts on the matchup? I know it hasn't been great after the Sun Devils lost to UCLA. What's your headspace like going into this one? Man, it's a weird one. It it doesn't feel like rivalry week at all. But I mean, that's just indicative of everything going on in college football, and obviously the world at large, but it, it just feels weird. I mean, ASU's only played two games, lost them both at the end, so it's been such a disappointing year from that standpoint, too. Arizona's winless, too, so it's the big old uh, winless matchup in the, for the Territorial Cup that we all uh, anticipated. Um, I'm ex- I never want to lose to Arizona, obviously. I think that we have the better team. Their uh, quarterback, Grant Gannell, probably not going to play so obviously he gives them the best chance and neither of their backups have done anything to get them a win this season so I'm pretty optimistic it's on the road but no fans so that's sort of a big equalizer um I don't know about 11 and a half for us so that seems a little high yeah just especially since it's a rivalry game and ASU has only played two games this year so not really getting the repetitions in and having all the mental mistakes in in game situations. So I think that we do end up coming out on top, but I I don't know about covering that 11 and a half. And it'll be nice to send them into a a winless season. So that'll be like my big consolation prize out of this. Yeah. The, uh, the fact that the line jumps pretty high, it started at eight and got to 11 and a half is uh, interesting. And I think that has to do with the fact that Arizona's, you know, they played four games, but they're giving up about 32 plus a game. So that defense just isn't getting it done. And you mentioned the issues at quarterback. I have my doubts on the Sun Devils covering, playing four full quarters, because it seems like Mm -hmm. in the two games they've played, there's been stretches where it just hasn't happened, where especially on the defensive side, there's just been breakdowns. So I agree. This feels trying to close out games. This feels like a touchdown game for Arizona State, especially I know the I know the travel and the home field advantage isn't what it used to be given that there are, you know, the fan situation, but traveling and having to, you know, leave uh, your home base does mean something. Uh, I think Arizona State wins this one. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's a rivalry week, so this is just bragging rights, and this is where you get to see the true hatred because what other reason is there to play this game other than these two schools hate each other? Yeah, exactly. No one's going bowling. It's, uh, yeah, just been a sad football season all around. So at least you can come out. Whoever wins this game, hopefully us, comes out with something from it. 
Looking at a few other games uh, that stand out to me on this slate, and, and one I really wanted to get to is, uh, you know, we, we talk about favorites covering uh, a lot on this show, especially the top. We've tried to ride that uh, a lot. But uh, in terms of underdogs getting points, I always like to look for points at home that might be a little extreme. And my underdog pick this week to cover the spread, not win the game, is I actually do like Missouri at home getting about two touchdowns mm. against Georgia. I just don't know if Georgia's offense is. I know they got JT Daniels in there now, but I think Mizzou's a solid team, and I think they can keep it within a one-score game, and Georgia will win an ugly one. Yeah, I think you're right with that one. That's a good one. Weather might be a little bit of an issue. It looks like there's some rain in the forecast out there in uh, Columbia, so that's always bodes well for the underdog, keeping it close. And you're right, Georgia's offense hasn't been impressive this year, even with JT Daniels, I guess, sort of riding the ship, but overall, I'm yeah, I think Missouri's played a lot better than a lot of us expected them this year with uh, Drinkwitz. So, um, yeah, I can see what you're laying down on that one. It's interesting because you look at some of the uh, the games and some of the theories we have de- developing betting here. Uh, some good, some not so good. Oklahoma's on the road against West Virginia, and West Virginia is a two touchdown dog at home. They got absolutely destroyed by Iowa State last week. I actually think Oklahoma is the exception to the rule. I like them as a road favorite, even in some of these bigger spreads, because they like to run up the score on bad teams. You know, other teams in the yeah, conference, I wouldn't, sure. I wouldn't put the trust in a Texas. Even, you know, Iowa State obviously did it last week, but Kansas State, Oklahoma State even. I just think Oklahoma, Spencer, Rat- Spencer Rattler, I'm not the biggest fan of, but he'll put up his numbers in this one. Yeah, I agree, and that was just such a disappointing effort from uh, West Virginia last week, and they had looked really good, especially defensively this year prior to that, but yeah, it's tough, and you know that they want to try and run up the score, like you said, try and impress whatever sort of committee impressions that they can get at this point. I mean, it probably won't be enough regardless, even if they win by 50, but you know that Lincoln Riley likes to run the score up, as you said, so... I well wouldn't be surprised about them winning by twenty or so out in Morgantown. Yeah, and and in terms of running up the score, impressing people, uh, we just got to ride Alabama, right? Because I mean, props to Arkansas for oh, yeah. having a better first year than a lot of us thought. But Alabama's offense, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, what Smith's doing at receiver, I think he had two hundred yards in the first half last week. Every time Mac Jones throws the ball, I expect like a twenty-five yard gain. And uh, 32 points, why not? It, it's it's almost like, I mean, the first half line of this game is probably going to be about 25. I think Alabama's mm-hmm. going to cover both of that, about 25 in the first half, the win by about 40, and just get, just get on there and get on going. Yeah, Najee Harris running really well, too. Uh, Jalen Waddle, so, I mean, they're, they're loaded. Every, they're Alabama, so I agree with that for sure. Credit to Sam Pittman, though, for taking over that dumpster fire in uh, Fayetteville and getting them – at least three more wins than we thought they would get this year. So, yeah, credit to him. And then hopefully they're riding the ship a little bit there. But, I mean, this this is the best team in the country. They're, I'd be really surprised if they don't win the national championship. So I you know, wouldn't bet against them. I mean, even if it was probably closer to 40, I mean, it's, it's hard to ride against uh, Nick Saban wanting to make a statement. Isn't it crazy how good uh, Sarkeesian is on that staff now? Like he is oh, a yeah. great play yeah, caller, and it's he's just waiting to be the Alabama coach and waiting. I feel like because he could have been the yeah, Colorado the coach Saban. last year. That's true. I mean, I'd I'd probably just 
be Saban's right-hand man over that job too and be in his, uh, what is it, the Saban coaching rehab clinic (laughs) where he just takes in all of those cast-offs and turns them into uh, Power 5 head coaches again. And you got to wait until Saban retires because, you know, he beats all of his assistants. Like, he's never lost to any. That's so just true. wait until he retires. Uh, Money Mitch Effect with Matt Wittenberg talking college football. Uh, last week, we had I had one of the worst gambling beats uh, in history, uh, in my history, uh, and that would be Tennessee covering against Florida on a fourth and ten where they just threw it into the end yeah. zone. That was uh, inexcusable on a lot of accounts. Uh, it makes me not want to not want to go with Florida this week in their game. I just don't really have the trust in them uh, this week in the SEC against LSU. I know it's twenty three twenty four, but they really need to earn back some respect. I know t- I know Tennessee in uh, LSU I should say is uh, in a bad state, but I don't know about Florida and these big spreads. They they aren't on Alabama's level. Tennessee's fifteen point road favorites against Vanderbilt, and that is scraping the bottom of the barrel in the SEC. So. Uh, <laughs> you have to be from the state of Tennessee, I think, legally to watch that game. Oh, I know. That's a uh, yeah, sad state of affair in the uh, Volunteer State with their two uh, big FBS programs. Well, I guess Memphis is FBS too, but uh, their two big SEC programs. So, yeah, I know our mutual friend uh, Sean Sullivan, pretty uninspired with the uh, with the state that Jeremy Pruitt has the program in this year. But I mean, I'd be really surprised if they don't cover that against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is barely has an offense so but i mean tennessee like when you try and ride with them they let you down when you try and ride against them they let you down so i honestly i'd probably stay away from that one yeah that was uh that was one of the all-time quotes when it was happening from uh, sully uh i just got backdoored by my own alma mater so we'll have to put that on a, on a on <laughs> that's a when you know it's bad yeah <laughs> and on a plaque for sure uh maybe my mm-hmm. favorite game this week though for being completely honest and uh, maybe shows you a little bit of my roots. But I'm looking forward to Wisconsin-Iowa. This is going to be physical Big Ten football. And uh, it's it's right at about a pick right now in Iowa. Both of these teams have you know, played in this game. A lot of times it's been for a spot in the Big Ten title game. It isn't this year. But Iowa bouncing back after a slow start. Wisconsin trying to get more games and more reps under their, under their uh, system after the loss to Northwestern. I don't think I'm going to bet this one. Maybe just throw some on the under for Big Ten football's sake, but I'm actually excited to watch this I mean, this you one. have to. <laughs> That's definitely the best bet in that game by far. You know that it's going to be a grinded-out-on-the-ground type game, which is both of those coaches' M.O.s. So probably some inclement weather in that one, too. Like you said, it's, it's the Big Ten in December, so I'd lean Wisconsin to take this one. Just It seems like they have a little bit more of a talent cap, and then they do have like so many cancellations, so I'm sure they're going to want to put on a show and try and salvage a little bit something from the season. Didn't get to play for uh, Paul Bunyan's act, so no. they have to settle for what's it's what's the Wisconsin Iowa? It's, the, it's, the, it's the, pig. the pig. Okay, okay. yeah, it's the it's the pig. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, the float is it the? It's some some pig name. Uh, I can't think of right now, but I know it's that. Uh, yeah, no, they they need to collect those rivalries. Uh, that's the one thing the Big Ten's got going for it right now. Every week on this show, I I, I have a I guess it's like a new segment called "This Line Doesn't Make Any Sense." There's probably two this week that really stand out. One being, I know Michigan State got killed by Ohio State, with but Penn State as a fourteen and a half, fifteen point favorite over anybody makes no sense to me, given what no. that program's <laughs> turned into. So I would just, uh, this year I should say, so I would just love Michigan State getting points there. Why not? And uh, I just didn't expect to see Florida State favorite over anybody this year. And they're about three and a half point favorites over Duke. So those will be the two that if you're just playing the board and playing the percentages, 
that stand out to me. Yeah, I like it. And hey, sneaky one in Pac-12 country. Don't sleep on the Beavs getting three at home to uh, Stanford. You know how many people I know that just quit betting on Oregon this this year based on that Oregon State <laughs> game and then doubling down last week? I mean, or Oregon, uh, they were the team that everybody thought would go into the Pac-12 championship game. But yep. Oregon State got them in that rivalry game. You know, and Oregon State definitely, yeah, they're not a great team. They, they really don't throw the ball that well, but they can do some things oh, They can well. run it, though. They can run it. They don't make a lot of turnovers. They're well coached. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I should also point out, too, that we got our late-night Rainbow Warrior fix as well. Hawaii hosting UNLV uh, on Saturday uh, night. Graham. I know, Todd Graham. You're, you're. <laughs> I think you kind of like him. You're ready for him to go, but you don't hate him, right? Exactly. Yeah, he he did. Definitely had his ups for us, and then just like near the end of his tenure, there is just like, all right, it's t- it's time for a change. But hey, we won the Pac-12 South with with him. Had a four and two record against Arizona. I mean, pretty pretty good. Didn't necessarily live up to expectations near the end. So. But, I mean, I like seeing them get another chance to coach, and Hawaii is always one of those fun, like you said, late-night teams, especially for betting purposes, mm-hmm. to always keep an eye on getting yeah. 20 against the Rebels of uh, UNLV. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still not, it's not quite what it was last year in terms of the passing attack, but we're getting there with Graham. He's starting to start, you know run up the score and make it late-night Hawaii fun. I, I think they're going to cover because UNLV has been pretty terrible. Agreed. I actually like Colorado in the Pac-12 over Utah this week at two and a half. They haven't really been able to play that much, but they've shown some positives there, and I do think Utah this year doesn't look like they have it. Another rivalry game I do want to mention quickly as well is Virginia Tech at home against Virginia. I think Virginia Tech's going to win this game by a touchdown or more, and I think part of it is, you know, coming off of that loss to Clemson. Clemson's been, you know, on the revenge tour since they lost to Notre Dame and got Trevor back. Mm-hmm. They played Clemson tough in that first half. So I, I think that was, uh, you know, a telling sign for this one. I like the Hokies in a rivalry game they usually win and handle business in. Yeah, last year's first year they lost it in, what, like 12 or 13 years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was long. I think it was like a 15, 17-year run of just domination. So uh, It was the longest uh, rivalry streak at that point because like Kentucky had gotten the one against, yeah, <laughs> yeah, against yeah. Georgia. Or not, Kentucky had finally been in Florida after 30 years. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the, the new long one. But, yeah, Cavs got it done last year. There is uh, two more rivalry games I want to get to quickly, one being uh, the L.A. college game, UCLA and USC. I don't know. I mean, I think this could be a, a, a trapalicious game for the Trojans based on where they are and based on the fact that UCLA's playing some pretty solid football under Chip Kelly. I don't think a lot of people are noticing that outside of the West, the Pacific time zone. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a, it's a hard one to get a read on for sure just because of, obviously lack of games this year but yeah usually i only time i saw ucla was against the asu but their offense looked to be clicking pretty well uh florian thompson robinson finally looks like he's sort of found his footing at the, being a quarterback um yeah and chip sort of has more of his guys in there so it wouldn't surprise me if they won that one usc's offense is really good but their defense is terrible and clay helton never covers so i mean no, i'd lean i'd lean towards yeah if usc wins it'll probably be by a point but it wouldn't surprise me UCLA takes this one. 
He did cover last week, which was weird, but it was a Sunday night game, yeah. and that was no one even knew. You know how many SC fans had no idea that game was on <laughs> until like until ninety percent of them. A Sunday night game, uh, you know, only in 2020. Uh, and then, of course, I got to mention, because of the abbreviated schedule, this would be the time it happens, Army-Navy this week. Yep. In, uh, in, in a legendary rivalry game, the Army uh, point spread there, now up to a touchdown favorite. So Army, who has flipped the script on this rivalry game, a well-coached team, uh, I don't think I'm going to bet on this game just based on a lack of a read and, and knowing that a lot of weird stuff can happen. But obviously a game to turn in, to, tune into, even though they don't have the weekend to themselves. It's Army-Navy. Yeah, for sure. And it's the first time it's being played on campus. It's, I think, I'm pretty sure, World War II. So normally that game's in Philly. So Or in, it's been in Baltimore in the past, too. But always a neutral site game. So it'll be interesting to see it being played on campus there at uh, West Point. So. Yeah, always like you said, always a good one to tune into just because seeing what those two schools stand for and the tradition, and obviously they go all out with uh, the uniforms in that game too. So always a fun one. I have no concept for how to bet it, except I'd probably lean towards Army just because home team, triple option, bleed the clock, done. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that one. Uh, Matt Wittenberg, this was fun talking college football on the Money Mitch Effect. Last thing before we go, we actually do have three lines for the conference championship games that we know of so far, Big 12, ACC, and SEC. Have you looked at these yet? I have not. No, this is news to me. So Oklahoma, Iowa State tentatively opening at Oklahoma minus four and a half, a game that Iowa State won the first time, so something to think about there. Clemson opens. Yep as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over Notre Dame. So a touchdown-and-a-half over them. And Alabama-Florida, 14-and-a-half for the Tide. That is quite the discrepancy for two teams, you know, right in the thick of the playoff chase. Yeah, that's that's a little surprising. I mean, just goes to show how much credit Alabama's offense has been getting. Florida can score, but they've had some weird games where, obviously, like you said last week, when they let Tennessee hang around to get uh, within striking range. So... Ah, that's that's tough. But Alabama's Alabama. I, I'd probably lean towards them. I think Oklahoma is going to blow out Iowa State. I just get that feeling. I mean, Brock Purdy's pretty good, pretty good. If you excuse <laughs> the pun for Iowa State, but I know that Lincoln Riley doesn't want to lose any of any Big Twelve championship game. Keep that streak alive. So I think that. Uh, and then who knows where uh, Matt Campbell's headspace will be at if he's. Uh, seems to be a contender for NFL and college jobs every offseason. So I kind of like uh, Oklahoma to win that one easy. Matt Campbell beat Oklahoma this year and has done it in the past before. So uh, he's got a track record there, but Oklahoma seems like they're peaking. And last year they avenged the loss to Baylor in this game. So could be uh, a trend there to pay attention to. The Clemson-Notre Dame line feels about right. It's the it's Trevor Lawrence being there. It's a, it's a big yep. difference there, and a lot of people expect Clemson to correct that mistake. Uh, the other thing on the SEC title game, that's probably going to be for the Heisman Trophy, I would think, between Trask and Mac Jones. So I think the better yeah, game, right. the, the yep. more impressive game, is probably going to be your Heisman winner. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for that, and we'll get a Big Ten title line when we uh, figure out that as well. Uh, but we got college football this year. It wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. It wasn't what we expected, but we got some of it. I will uh, take that with me as well as memories of uh, the last decade plus of dominating the Wolverines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, that's why I'm hoping for this just uh, last Territorial Cup win to get me uh, 
through Christmas and on to hopefully bigger and better things for both of our teams come uh, 2021 and a real schedule. I mean, knock on wood. For sure. Matt Winberg here on the Money Mitch Effect. Appreciate you coming on talking college football. Best of luck going forward with everything, including the Sun Devils on Friday in their rivalry. (laughs) Always appreciate it, Mitch. All right, huge thanks again to Matt Wittenberg for coming on the show and talking college football as we get ready for the final push towards conference championship season as well as the college football playoff. Big thanks again to him. All right, now it's time to talk about the pro game with Ryan Souls. A lot to break down, a lot to discuss. The, the rise of the Browns is at the top of the list as it should be. What to make of the Steelers, the Chiefs, the NFC teams. Are we buying teams like the Rams, the Seahawks, the Saints have been winning without Drew Brees? We get into all that, as well as the teams that are struggling as we get up for some football, starting with tonight's game with the Patriots and the Rams. Here's Ryan Souls on the NFL, now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, more NFL football to talk. Uh, ironically, NFL football is uh, what gets me going these days for a change. Ryan Souls now on the show. Ryan, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Man, I'm happy to be here. It's almost the end of the year, and got to tip your hat a little bit to the NFL. For We've had some postponed games. We had no cancellations. We've made it through uh, the season, and it's been good football. Football on Tuesday, Wednesday. I think Friday is the only day we haven't seen. But, yeah, they've gotten through it. And uh, we appear to be locked in at that seven playoff teams. Uh, So, yeah, props to the NFL for handling it as best as they could and and moving forward. And, uh, you know, they might have made some decisions arbitrarily with uh, certain teams like the Denver Broncos. But the show keeps rolling on. And uh, I'm going to start excitedly talking about the 9-3 and Cleveland Browns, if you don't mind. Man, I don't mind at all. You've earned that. Well, I wasn't (laughs) expecting – I thought they could beat the Titans, but the way they did it, that first half of domination was uh, just insane and just a a joy to watch. And it was, I think, clearly, if you put it in perspective, the best game Baker Mayfield's played as a pro, making the throws he made. The play calling was phenomenal by Stefanski. Just a note on him, Ryan, I really think his season, I mean, he should be in the coach of the year discussion, and his play calling, other than, I think, calling a fake punt week one against the Ravens that was a disaster, don't really have any complaints with how he's managed the season, how he's coached games in bad weather and been more conservative and opened it up when he's had. Uh, this was just a phenomenal game by Baker in the offense, and it was uh, nice to see them put together that first half and essentially a full game of football. I know the Titans made it close there, but 9-3, and three, now you got to start thinking, okay, the Steelers, even with a loss, the division's out of reach, but you know, a 5-seed, a 6-seed in the playoffs, and you know, the Browns looking like they could be a factor and, and a force uh, going into the playoffs, too. So, yeah, obviously I'm excited because that is the longest drought in the NFL that the Browns appear poised to break. Absolutely. And, you know, my biggest thing was, and we had talked offline about this, is can the Browns beat, you know, a good team when it's time to beat a good team? And, you know, I, I'm not ready to say the Titans are a great team, but they are a good football team. And they were a playoff team last year. They can still make some noise in the playoff. But they needed a good win, the Browns. They got a good win. I echo your sentiments on Stefanski. 
uh, using Hunt and Chubb, how he's used them, putting Baker in play action. Uh, the defense is playing better than expected. Like he's he's done a great great job. Yeah, he has. Uh, this was the the win that they needed. I know the Titans. Just a note on them. I mean, they defensively have their issues, and it just shows you how how sudden a game can change in football. Like, if these two teams played again, any other outcome could happen. I firmly believe that. This game ended up being closer with the final score, but it changed on the Browns getting that fourth down stop early in the game on Henry, and then Henry fumbled immediately after the Browns had scored. I mean, we're talking like 14 points at swing just like that. And from there, Baker has confidence. They're off and running. Props to the Browns' defense. I've been critical. That first half, they played very well. The run defense was stout, and they got... Adequate play in their secondary as well. The bend but don't break defense, you know, the pick in the second half that really did kind of put the game on ice. It was great, and it it was great to see that the Browns on the road uh, were able to win such a big game. And and honestly, I don't know what the ceiling of this team is. We, We know that there's a pecking order in the AFC, and then the Chiefs are at the top. Steelers look a little vulnerable without that New England factor in there, Ryan, who usually is just the gatekeeper in the AFC. It's fair to say that the Browns have at least thrown their hat into the ring. Now, I'm not saying that you know this is the year it's all coming together, but they're one of a few teams that's going to be a factor going forward. I agree, and with you know great respect to Andy Reid, I don't think there's a a blatant coaching disadvantage um, like there used to be when Bill Belichick was going to be in the playoffs. And I say that to say that if the Browns have to play someone like Kansas City or play a more up-tempo game like they played against Tennessee. I think they're they're built versatile enough to be able to do that. And we've seen, because, I mean, let's be honest, and even though the, the Steelers just took their first L, the cream of that conference is Kansas City. Uh, they're the champs. And I think that if you're looking to come through in the AFC, that's the measuring stick. And Cleveland can play ball control. And I'm not saying they can beat Kansas City. I'm not saying they're going to beat Kansas City. But they have the personnel with that front four, with the ability to play ball control, to beat anyone if the quarterback can continue to play consistently. I think the matchups are tougher when you talk about playoff teams like uh, Kansas City versus even a team like Pittsburgh or Baltimore. And I would have thrown Buffalo in there if not for Josh Allen's explosive passing display, which we'll talk about in a second. But, um, you know, they got to get to the quarterback because the secondary is the weakness on this defense. I don't think that's breaking news to anyone. And, look, Mahomes and the Chiefs are in a class of their own. I fully acknowledge that. If the Steelers would have gone 16-0, Ryan, they still would have been underdogs at home in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. That's how Absolutely. it would have worked. So the Chiefs do win that game. I, I want to mention them because they win a, a, an ugly game against the Broncos, which is a divisional game. Denver's got a good defense even with the injuries they have. So I, I don't take much into close, ugly wins within the division. I just want to point out that we're at a point now where the Chiefs, another team that, you know, they're kind of, they kind of were floating under the radar, 11-1 and one now in the conference, still going for that one seed and that bye. Mahomes is in a two-person race, it looks like, with Aaron Rodgers for the MVP. And DK Metcalf leads the league in receiving. Five yards behind him, Travis Kelsey. So we could have a tight end lead the league in receiving yards this year. It is possible. It is very. I mean, a tight end lead the league in receiving yards when you got Tyreek Hill on the roster, and he's third. And Hill's third, <laughs> by the way. So they're all, 
you know, th- those guys are killing it. Hill, the first time I've ever seen a receiver not protest that he caught the ball when he actually caught it, too. That was pretty funny. Right. That was pretty funny. And I just, you know, that team is the juggernaut on offense. They, Andy Reid is not afraid to run the football. You know, I could say other things when he was my coach in Philadelphia. You know, Eric Bieniemy has played uh, or called great games and had a great scheme. And, you know, again, number 15, man, uh, I'm not getting ready to to say that, you know, he's going to be the greatest quarterback of all time or anything like that. But we've seen Aaron Rodgers. And outside of that, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Yeah, you got to win consistently, and he's already won one. And if he keeps it going, I mean, the sky is the limit. I'm, I'm with you. We got to see it happen, but we can definitely see it happen if that makes sense. So uh-huh. we have to, we have to go there. Uh, Bienemy, look, he should be the next coach of the Chargers. I'm in that camp. He's, an, he's an LA native. He can call good plays. The Chargers have some personnel. Lynn's not the answer. That's the guy. That, that's the guy. So uh, I, that, that'll be the boat I'm driving this year. Uh, you mentioned the Steelers, Ryan. You know. Not being the juggernaut as Kansas City, they got their first L to the Washington football team of all people, which another improbable you know notch in the belt of Alex Smith's comeback story. Just phenomenal. They were down fourteen nothing. They come back, win that game, and uh, win that game on the road and and throw their hat in the race for their own division. But I think we saw this coming with the Steelers. They played sloppy against Baltimore. Dallas even was a game that came down to the wire. I think Tomlin can clean it up. I think he's a no-nonsense coach that'll get the best out of his players. But this loss almost felt inevitable. Felt inevitable. Yeah, it was definitely inevitable. And, you know, to your point, Tomlin can clean a lot of it up. But let's be honest here. They've lost some key pieces on the defense. And that was – and they're still a good defense. But that was their calling card at the beginning of the year. Guys like Devin Bush, guys like Bud Dupree. And, you know, you've got T.J. White out there, but he's getting so much attention now them able to be able to keep the game close and then Ben having to make some plays when you need him to make the plays, get the ball out of his hands quick. And they're just slowly but surely losing the war of attrition. So, you know, Tomlin can clean up the drop passes and the sloppy play, but he can't go out there and play linebacker for Devin Bush or Bud Dupree. So I'm interested to see how this defense plays going forward and, Everybody's waiting for that Kansas City matchup. Uh, hope should we if get it, it happens, in the playoffs, yeah. right? Should we get it? Yeah, that that Dupree injury is a killer because with Bush out, now that's another another injury on on that you know explosive D that you know Dupree and Watt together were I think the best tandem. I mean, oh I, they I, were. I, I mean, and I can't say in the Steelers, so I'm giving them props here. Like they were as a duo, as good as any duo on that side of the ball uh, in the NFL. And yeah, I think getting you know getting Connor back off the COVID list, seeing if they can establish the run. Ben still has to play a little better for this team to win a, a Super Bowl, and we've seen it happen in the past. We've seen the, we'll see if he can elevate. It helps having a guy like Claypool who hasn't really been getting the ball as much in the past too. So I think that's something to correct. And you know, there's a reason why the '72 Dolphins are the only team to go undefeated. <laughs> like it's hard to do. You're going to go it's through lulls. You're going to go through you know periods where you got to get better and you know if you want to be a championship team overcome some losses and overcome some adversity absolutely well look i was all ready to say that i think the browns have a chance to be the third best team in the afc given you know their win how they looked beating the titans 
But Ryan, I got to say it, man. It, it looks like it's the Bills right now. I mean, it looks like the Bills are at that position because Josh Allen has elevated himself. I mean, I don't – most improved player isn't really like the thing like it is in the NBA, but this that would be this guy because I was a Josh Allen fan and I didn't see this coming at all. The accuracy, you know, the, the, the Niner defense, the Niner offense doing a great job against the Bills defense, getting the better of them. Josh Allen and the passing attack absolutely won that game on Monday night. A hundred percent. I'll say this doubly. I didn't see this coming from Josh Allen either. He has exceeded, all, you know, all my expectations, and the way how accurate he's been with the football has been, you know, pretty great to see. I think. Um, well, you caught him with Diggs, by the way. He is a bona fide number one, and he needs yeah, to be talked to as such. Talk to a hundred percent. Like he, he is a bona fide number one receiver. He has helped Allen tremendously. And, you know, you can't say enough about McDermott either. Uh, and, the, and, you know, the defense is, I don't think, playing as well as they were playing last year. But Josh Allen has made up for that. He has. Uh, you know, the Tredavious White I want to give props to as well. One of the best corners in football. That list seems to be changing a lot. He, he made an uh, unbelievable play at the goal line. But it wasn't the defense's night. And I heard on the Monday night broadcast, they made decisions consciously because they needed to improve their offense. And some were at the expense of defensive guys that are no longer there. So this was mm-hmm. the game plan. Um, we, we talk about it too. I think Brian Dayball is one of the best play callers in all of football. And he, he's been putting Allen in the position to succeed. Diggs, we give him credit. He's a number one. But, you know, Allen threw touchdown passes to everybody else on Monday night. It's not just, though, Diggs is the guy that makes him going. If they take him away, if you, if you target him, bracket him, I think that's what makes this offense special. They can mix it up. They can get Singletary and Zach Moss in the running game. And I think Buffalo is going to be a tough out in the playoffs because they're a very comfortable team. Their quarterback has confidence. And I think they still have the potential to win a game with their defense if called upon. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, you, you can't ignore Tredavious White over there. Hughes. I mean, they got talent. Don't they have another uh, Ed Oliver? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was thinking of the other Josh Allen, yeah. but he plays for Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, but, no, man, I, I think you're right. I just we, – we hadn't seen what we saw last year. But Poyer, Micah Hyde, they, they got names over there. Ryan Souls here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, looking at the AFC playoff picture as we do. I mean, it, it's fascinating because still about 10 teams alive for those seven playoff spots when you really break it down. And that includes the New England Patriots, Ryan, who are just clinging to life. They, they thrash the Chargers in, uh, you know, a rookie quarterback against Bill Belichick. What did we really expect to happen, to have happen? But they thrash the Chargers. They're still alive. The Dolphins are 8-4. and four. They're going along. Titans and... Uh, and Colts, the Raiders have taken a step back, but they pull off that win. Th- this against the Jets on the last play, this is a fascinating race because I'm not ready to bury the Patriots just yet. And there's a lot of teams that we still haven't seen you know, at this stage. So there's still a show-me factor with the Raiders, with the Dolphins. I'm, I'm really, really excited to see how this goes down. Absolutely. And I mean, I just because... Greg Williams was stupid enough to call zero blitz on on that last play of the game. Oh, man. Doesn't mean that I'm I'm necessarily sold on the Raiders. These last two games, they have not looked good at all. No, no, they uh, haven't. That was so I'm, well, yeah, Greg man. Williams. I it was. I mean, terrible. he is who he is. He is who that, he is. That's part of it. That. <laughs> but you shouldn't do that. He's done dumb things like that before. 
I'm, I love a good conspiracy theory. He was not actively trying to tank. He got fired. I mean, obviously, all these coaches are probably going to get fired, so why would yeah. you, you know, tank it away? Maybe um, he wants Adam Gase to go 0-16. Maybe, but that was, you know, <laughs> God, that was crazy. And, uh, you know, and for what? I mean, we talked about this, but, like, you get Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I still think Darnold's a good quarterback. He played pretty solid in that game. You know, I, they need they need more than just a, a generational quarterback, which I think Lawrence is. So yeah, the yeah, Raiders and, the Raiders just they, they just don't look like they have that same buzz, that same, you know, pep in their step like they had. I agree. I, I don't know what it is. They they haven't been able to run the football. I don't know if Derek Carr has just regressed a little bit. That defense isn't very good either. Uh um, think they got, play I mean, to the level of their competition? Because that's what it I, seems like to me. I mean, it could be. Uh, it very well could be, but uh, we got to see more from them going forward because uh, I was ready to think they could be a dark horse in the postseason. But the way they looked against the Jets and um, they played the Browns the week before, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, that, it was, was the just, uh, the Falcons. Of it all was teams. Falcons. You know, yeah, they yeah. beat the Browns and they beat the Chiefs, but they get killed by the Falcons. They have to pull a rabbit out of their hat to uh, – beat the Jets I mean it's just like and the Chargers too that was a close game so I just think for whatever it is when when they're playing good teams they can kind of elevate and play their style but hasn't worked against some of the poor teams no Uh, regardless though Darren Waller is the man well third best tight end in football for sure he is he is incredible he's been great uh I I do want to mention the Dolphins though because they're eight and four the Tua mm-hmm. thing is fascinating because he's he's not you know setting the league on fire, but he's not turning the ball over, and he's actually playing very efficient outside of that Denver game where he got benched. I just you know you're at a point where in the short term I get the logic behind if Fitzpatrick was there we'd have a better chance this year, but this definitely seems like a smart long term play for me because he is the future of this franchise. I don't think anybody in Miami expects to actually win the Super Bowl this year. So playing meaningful games might not be the best thing for this year, but is the best thing long-term. I I think I'm kind of half and half with you, and not because of how Tua's played. He just does not look healthy still to me. Okay. No, that's an interesting um, one. Yeah, I mean, he's not – to me, you go back and look at him before he got hurt in Tuscaloosa – the way the ball came out was different. It just seemed like he had more zip on it. It seemed like he could throw to more spots on the field. And I just I hadn't seen that in Miami. Like now, like you said, he's not turning the ball over. He's making good decisions. But I just thought I saw more action in that body before he got hurt. And maybe you know, and maybe more reps out there that'll come back to him. But I just I want to make sure he has a long career. That's fair. Uh if he is healthy, I mean, I got to think that the coach and the general manager wouldn't be like, let's clear him if he's not. Yeah, yeah, go, and, but, you know. and healthy was the wrong word. Maybe yeah. not fully recovered back to how he looked. Yeah. Like his mobility just doesn't look the same. Yeah, that's something to monitor. Um, I love Flores, though, as a coach. I loved how he had his players back and was ready to fight everybody on the Bengals for the chief shot on his player. And uh, they play yeah. hard for him. I think that's something you could see. Uh, which is funny. Now we're getting like we're getting different levels of Belichick assistance, right? Because like Joe Judge, the Giants are clearly playing hard for him. Flores, mm-hmm. it's working too. But then you have the Patricias and some of the other names that it hasn't worked for. So the book's exactly. out, I guess I'd say on the Belichick assistance. Yeah, yeah. I think you know it's kind of just luck of the draw. You might end up with Bill O'Brien. You might end up with Joe Judge. 
So yeah. I just think it depends. For real. Um, you know, and the Ravens getting that win over the Cowboys, just running the ball down their throat was good to keep them in the playoff picture with a big game against the Browns coming up. And uh, the Patriots just figuring out a way to win without a quarterback that can throw for 100 yards is uh, is fascinating. I think this is a great coaching job by Belichick, how the last couple weeks have gone. But I don't know, man. I'm pessimistic about Cam. This just hasn't gone well for him, and I just don't know that I see it hit it at an elite level in the years to come. Yeah, I, man, I agree with you, and it's, and it's hard to say because I, I was rooting for Cam hard, and I don't know if you know his athleticism has just left him in terms of being able to throw the football, but he's clearly not the same guy. And once again. I don't know if Bill Belichick, the general manager, has done them any service because they have less weapons than Tom Brady's last year in New England. So I would be curious to see what he would look like with some weapons around. I'm not saying he's going to all of a sudden turn into 2015 Cam Newton, yeah. but he his weapons are worse than what Brady had last year. Yeah, and you know they missed Edelman the last couple weeks on the COVID list too. He's he's not going to play uh, this Thursday night game tomorrow as we record this against the Rams. So a big one for them coming up, but they're still in the hunt. Uh, let's turn our attention to the NFC, uh, Ryan, as we as we look you at that. And I think the yeah, well the <laughs> NFC East. Here's what I'm going to say. Right, the start of the year. We talked about before this division turned into a disaster in the NFC East that you know Eagles and Cowboys, Giants and Redskins, like they just want to be competitive. And mm-hmm. here they are. They're the top two teams in the NFC. And honestly, have shown a pulse, have, have come on strong, and could maybe finish 500 on the year. It's not out of the realm of possibility. But the Cowboys got destroyed. They're one of the five worst teams in football right now. And unfortunately for you, Ryan, the Eagles aren't too far behind. They lose to the Packers in a game that was competitive only when the uh, quarterback change came. But it appears, it appears we've reached the end of the road for uh, Carson Wentz. And uh, I know you've got some thoughts on this. We're going to see what Hertz has going forward. But how did we get to this point? What do we expect from Hertz in the future of this quarterback position in Philly? So to be honest, and I might be all over the place, so just excuse me. One, I'll say I'm happy for Jalen Hertz um, just to see him get an opportunity. And I hope you know he can continue to make the best out of it for himself and for the good of the team. With that being said, though, I'm not sure – you know, we've seen the end of Carson Wentz just due to the financial perspective. When yeah, you, his when contract you hasn't a, even kicked in yet, right? His yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you sign someone of that much money, common sense says, okay, when you pay a guy that much and we know he's not playing well, but his support system hasn't been the greatest either, before we get rid of the the money that we put in this huge giant pot, we at least need to see what we can put around him first. I think that being said, Doug's got to go. I don't know if the the post-Super Bowl hangover has just persisted because that is a real thing, and I'm not trying to be funny. I don't know if, the, if he didn't um, prepare the team to be able to handle success because that's real too, and you've heard Eric Mangini, you've heard other coaches talk about that. And, but, or I don't know if he's just filling himself and think he's infallible. Because with the amount of two-point plays that he's called at the opportune times when he sometimes he just refuses to run the football and refuses to protect the quarterback, even though the quarterback makes some horrible decisions, I got to wonder 
why he's still the guy for that job. And then to take it one step further, you know, you got to look at Roseman, the GM as well. Our Sega Whiteside drafted when we've seen the receivers drafted in the last couple of years. That also goes for Rager, even though he's a burner. We've seen the receivers in this draft. Right, like Justin um, Jefferson's a top five receiver this year in football. It, exactly. I mean, C.D. Lamb's going to be in the next two years, if not next year. You know, the, the offensive line pick, you know, you can never get mad about that. Those guys don't grow on trees, but he's not healthy. That doesn't make you look good either. So I, I think Doug's definitely got to go. But before you can do anything with Carson, you you got to make those infrastructural changes because you're married to him by – Pen and check. Yeah, I think, look, he doesn't have his confidence. I know we can talk injury history and, and whatnot, but the fact is it's a results-based league, and they put him out there because they thought he had the best chance to have them win. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, it's just it's hard to watch. I mean, and I'm not even an Eagles fan, so I can't imagine what, what you're going through, but it's just he he's not – the lack of confidence is jarring because he had that run, which we could say maybe it's inflated. Guys in all sports, guys and girls in sports go on hot streaks where they play at a level that's not sustainable to the rest of their career. We've seen it time and time again. He was playing like an MVP until he got hurt. But the difference for me isn't necessarily you know, the numbers putting up. It's that he's afraid to make and step up and make the big throws, which was never even close to an issue before that. I like the fact that they're going to give Hurts a look. Um, I don't know what his long-term what his ceiling is, how that's going to be, but this is just good because this season is clearly a wash and clearly over. And I agree with you, head coach, man. I'm, I'm I'm willing to give him more of a leash than some other coaches because of winning that Super Bowl. But it's been atrocious. It just there's no other way around it with Doug Peterson. So, um, uh, Roseman for me, it, it, you mentioned receiver, but the back end of that defense is just brutal. And that deserves oh. equally as much uh, attention in my mind. But here's the thing. It's been bad since the Super Bowl year. It just, we had such a good front seven that it didn't matter as yeah. much. Man, it's still crazy that that team beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in a Super Bowl. But, uh, man, uh, but I'm going to take it. Yeah. You can't ever take that away. Like Reggie Bush's yeah. Heisman, you can't yeah. take it away, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say this, though, but uh, one thing on Carson Wentz, um, confidence is one thing, but I think that goes hand in hand with being sacked the most in the league, and you're 10 clear of Russell Wilson. You've been sacked 50 times, bro. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Well, looking at the rest of the NFC, Ryan, uh, it's another weekly question. Who is the best team in the NFC? The way the Saints are playing, I mean, you got to give them credit in this regard. Their defense has stepped up. They haven't lost with Drew Brees out, and that's not just this year. They're really well when he's out. I think that's a statement, and that's a testament to the infrastructure. We've seen them... We've seen that team in the playoffs come up short, even in mat- even in games they've been favored by, games at home. But this is a weird year. No real elite teams that have emerged in the NFC. you got to like what the Saints are building and how they're set up with the caveat being Breeze comes back, plays these big games. They've been just handling business with him out, and, and i got to give them props. Yeah, they have been handling business, like you said. The, the question is, the playoffs and it has been since they went to the Super Bowl what was that 2009 they've got to clean up playoff performances I think Drew Brees has got to be able to push the ball down the field to take advantage of Michael Thomas and Kamara and Sanders but that defense has played really well uh, your boy Lattimore uh, has been a huge addition for them 
And I just think that uh, they're going to be tough to beat. But like you said, I don't think there's a bona fide best team in the NFC right now. Every team has flaws. And that's why, I mean, talk about how important the one seed was for the Chiefs or Steelers. And in the NFC, if you get that by, that's huge. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. talk about the division leaders right now and the teams that are just on the outside of it. Green Bay is 9-3. and three. You know, they have, a, they have a trouble with physical football teams. We've seen it in the past. So there's certain matchups that just don't bode well for them. But the Rams, the Rams got that, you know, got that win over the Cardinals. They're rounding into form. Donald is still a beast. They're getting good play out of their secondary, not just Jalen Ramsey. And the running game, Cam Akers is emerging. Everybody's eating, but it's going to come back to golf, right? Like that's where we where we say, oh, I'm not so sure because it's Jared Goff, a quarterback. Exactly, because, I mean, some days Jared Goff looks like the number one overall pick in the draft, and sometimes Jared Goff looks like Carson Wentz. <laughs> so I think a lot is going to rely on him. But I, the reason why I can't pick the Rams to get to the Super Bowl, and that is a great defense, but there's no one on that offense who scares you, you know, when it's big time and you need you uh, one of those gotta-have-it plays. I'm not really scared of anybody on the Rams, and they, they have good players, but there's not that one player that I feel like is going to take over a game. And sadly, in the playoffs, you can game plan for somebody like Aaron Donald because by the time you get to the postseason – most teams, if you made it to the playoffs, you have a good offensive line, and they have good offensive line coaches, and they can scheme him out of the game with triple team. Well, I don't think Seattle fits into that category. No, they, don't, their lines, they do not. They do not. <laughs> and that's where I think it's, you know, this is our, we're taking it to boxing, right? Styles make fight. How the draw breaks and who wins and who matches up with Hugh is going to be huge for this one, for this mm-hmm. for this playoff. Because a team like Seattle I mean, they scored five points. You know, they scored like what, twelve points, fourteen points against the Giants. It was five early, and you know, two of that goes on the defense. But they couldn't move the ball against the Giants team that has a good defense. But you know, it was just attacking the quarterback. You know, the Rams match up very well with Seattle. They're going to have tougher times with some of the other teams. But um, mm-hmm. the Seahawks, I mean, they were my Super Bowl pick, and I still think that they have some capability. The defense is actually playing a little bit better. But if the, if the line issues were their head like they have in the past, not even Russell Wilson can get them out of this one. No, not at all. I mean, you, you've got to get protected. He's been sacked the most uh, after Carson. So I'm not completely sold yet, but that, that boy DK Metcalf is something else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if he can run off 200-yard games in the postseason, you know, you, who knows who can beat him. You got Tampa working at the five seed, and they haven't played their best football. But you know, we we expect Brady to raise his level in the playoffs. Uh, the six seed, my uh, my my, what I thought was a terrible preseason pick, Ryan is back from the dead. The Vikings tied with the Cardinals now for that seven, or I should say for that seven seed. I apologize with Tampa at the six seed, but yeah, Minnesota right right back in the thick of it at five hundred football. Yeah, man, and the way they looked, and the way how horrible Kirk Cousins just looked. I just I would have never thought. They would have gotten this far, but Dalvin Cook is a monster. Jefferson, and man, just, just, just incredible. Yeah, he is. Just, I mean, he is a hell of a receiver. And I, you know, the Vikings that they get into the playoffs, I, I don't think anybody's going to necessarily be afraid to play them. But based on how they started, they've been. This has been a success. They play a lot of close games. They they don't. It's it's which is I guess one of the reasons why you think it's it's possible they were able to come back is they were one in five, but they lost a lot of close games to start the year. 
Uh, and a weird trade that actually was a win-win, right? Diggs goes to the Bills, gives them what they need, and the Vikings draft Jefferson with the, the pick compensation. So Yeah, that was I mean, huge. It worked out well for both. Uh, and I just want to mention as well, Cliff Kingsbury is not doing a great job as head coach of the Cardinals. I know Kyler looks like he's banged up, but you know they've lost a couple winnable games, and now they're in a fight for their lives to even make the playoffs. Man, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was ready to get a man his flowers because I, I you know, the the Cardinals have been playing a lot better to start the year, and I was really impressed with how Kyler looked. And then He's getting too cute you know, with some of his play yeah, calls, man. I mean, that's what King's it looks like. Various turn back into Texas Tech. <laughs> I do think though, there's something to be said about uh, Kyler, who was an MVP candidate at times during the early part of the year. Doesn't look like himself. Isn't running quite as much, and you know, that's the dynamic they need. Again, still time to make a push, and they're only two games out of that you know first place spot in the division. But you know they've lost a lot of games where you're you're left wanting more, and uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch effect as we wrap up this week's show. Looking ahead to a good slate of games, I'm really excited for some of this. Yeah, Starting man. on Thursday with that Rams Patriots game, which suddenly has a lot at stake. The Patriots want to stay in the playoff mix. The Rams get this win. They can get to 9-4, and four and suddenly they got to be taken seriously for a potential one or two seed in the conference as they try to you know keep pace with Seattle. So starting with this one, uh, we got a good week coming. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting game too because you know Bill Belichick knows how to coach against Sean McVay, and I think regardless of who Bill has a quarterback, that's going to factor into his game plan, and I, I guarantee you that this will be a close game. Yeah, I don't think Jared Goff's excited to face Bill Belichick again. No, not at all. Just going to go there. Uh, But I do like Cam Akers emerging as the Rams lead back. You know, there's a reason why they they valued this guy out of college at Florida State. So um, I think that's going to help. And the Patriots are playing well. But you just get the sense that if it's a shootout, they're not really primed with Cam back there, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. The Sunday games, really excited for a few of them. Uh, Got to mention KC Miami first. Miami at home, uh, about a touchdown dog in that one. Uh, We'll see. Ready for the prime time. The Dolphins, by the way, eight and four props to them for getting there. But this is where the schedule picks up because they got a lot of games coming up. Yeah, like JR says, business is about to pick up. And I think um, we're going to see how good of a defensive coach Brian Flores is. Yeah, just wanted to just wanted to go through in case you were wondering what the next couple of games look like. We got it's they play the Chiefs, they got the Patriots, they got the Raiders, they got the Bills. Ooh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But hey, just to be in this position for the Dolphins, kind of like the Browns too. It's like you weren't expecting to really be here. So if they go two and two, you know, if they can if they can just find a way to go two and two, you get to ten and six. That might be enough to get in. So. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, and I'm not, I'm not one of the types that likes to do this as early, but I think Miami just has a lot on the line based on the quarterback who they drafted. Both, both you and I were high on Tua, but we're mm-hmm. seeing how well Herbert plays, and the fact that Miami has played so well maybe validates that they got the right guy when they very well could have had Herbert and may have had the same record. Yeah. That, they, yeah, that's a good point. They might have a lot on the line, but we do know Mahomes likes to play in Miami. He does well there, so he, he's going to yeah. love to go back to uh, the, the, the scene of the triumph. Uh, Tampa Bay, Minnesota. Mentioned those two teams in the wild card spot. Big game. Big game in Florida. Not really a must win necessarily for each. I think Tampa, oddly enough, has more to play for because they want to prove they're an upper echelon team. they got to start you know, handling business. 
Yeah, I think Tampa just wants to play for peace. If they win, you know, then the media ain't talking about Brady versus Arians. And I, I think for the sanity of both of them, they need to win this game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, the underrated game I do want to mention before I forget is uh, Vegas hosting Indianapolis. The Colts are tied for the division lead now, but still there's no guarantee that they're even going to get into the playoffs with how tight it is. And we mentioned mm-hmm. the Raiders, and that win, I mean, we're, we're going to look on it, right, if the Raiders w- go to the playoffs, that that Jets Hail Mary saved their season. So this is another step in, okay, time to play. Oddly enough, I do like the Raiders in this one, just because I think they match up well. I think they can play with a team where, you know, they're they're not as flashy, so to speak. Yeah, and, you know, and I think they'll be able to run the football a little better. Darius Leonard and that linebacking core for Indianapolis, they're, they're fantastic. But I, I think it comes back down to the defense of Oakland. You know, they can't stop anybody. Yeah. So if Philip Rivers decides to have a good game, good luck. Cold defense, though, hasn't looked great recently. Like, I give them a lot of credit, no. but they've been getting gashed left and right. Uh, you know, fortunate to win that Green Bay game weeks back. Uh, quick thoughts on what you what you should expect from your Eagles and Hurts uh, against the Saints? Uh, an L, but it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Hurts looks. And I hope, I really hope that regardless of how he's playing, that he gets the entire game. Uh, you owe it to yourself and his organization. You owe it to him. And really, you even owe it to Carson to to not do flip-flops on this. Let Hurts play. See what you got. Yeah. And, you know, if because and I'll be honest, and maybe this is a wrong way to look at it as a fan, but you paid Carson after you won the Super Bowl, but the point of drafting him was to win a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, he didn't win it for you. Yeah. But the reason of doing all this is to win the Super Bowl. So if Hurts looks good and you got to swallow all that money that you got to pay Carson for the next two years, but you know you got your Super Bowl out of it. Now, the order that it happened in was wrong. But this is kind. Of, this is what you. This is what you asked for, right? When I mean, you draft a guy, so. Do they have enough pride to say we need to start over? This is what we got in the four. We got yeah. our ring. Let's see what we got in Jalen mm-hmm. and go for it. Yeah, I just this is a tough spot for a rookie quarterback to walk into the Saints in your first start. I mean, <laughs> okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, I mean, I hope you just go out there and play, man. Yeah, that's, that's all what you can like do. to see. Uh, I did want to mention as well. Uh, Giants got the Cardinals this week in a match with playoff matchup with playoff implications and the football team Washington takes on the 49ers who keep fighting you know they got displaced from California they've got all these injuries but they keep fighting so suddenly these NFC East games have some some playoff implications on them as well uh, but, then, but then we get to the primetime games and that's where I want to focus a little bit on because Sunday Real night quick, yeah go ahead I gotta say something about your boy Chase Young Man, <laughs> see, you heard what Tomlin said, right? Tomlin's like, I hope we never lose enough games to draft the guy draft like you. Draft like you, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's I, a stud. That's all I had to say. He's a stud. Uh, Sunday night, Bill Steelers. Whoa, boy, that's a that's a big one. That is, you know, it's, it's Minka Fitzpatrick gonna have his hands full. He's gonna have his hands full. I uh, I think this is a, a toss up game. I think Allen will see if the, he can ride the wave and stay accurate. And, uh, you know, how the Buffalo defense matches up with Pittsburgh's offense, what Connor has as well, is going to be big. Monday night, though, Browns-Ravens. That's uh, that's a heck of a Monday night slate back in Monday Night Football for 
the first time forever. Uh, I shouldn't say forever, but, you know, for the Browns to be back here flexing out the Cowboys uh, next week, which is going to be fun. But, no, I'm excited for this one. I am too, and, you know, I hope that Cleveland isn't looking at this as like a revenge game or whatever. There's too much on the line in the division. Just go out there and play. Play your style. Uh, and Baker start needs fast. to play the same. Yeah, fast. and, you know, have a good start. Um, and, you know, we've seen the Ravens aren't well or don't play well from behind, and that's what they need to try to take advantage of. First game, Browns turned it over on their first possessions. Ravens scored, and it was uh, off to the races from there. We saw mm-hmm. firsthand what it was like for the Browns starting the game well against the Titans. If that happens, if they get off to a good start, love their chances. If Lamar gets going early, I'll be terrified for four quarters. It's that simple. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for Browns-Ravens. Ravens coming in a little more desperate as well. So can't wait to see what happens. Ryan, this was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. We'll, uh, we'll be talking. I think it'll be playoff time the next time we chat. But we got to see where our, our predictions and where our uh, spots and what we think is going to happen, where that ends up. But thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect yet again. I appreciate you having me. Stay safe out there. That's going to do it for today's show. Big thanks again to Matt Wittenberg and Ryan Souls for appearing on today's show, talking some ball with me. We have a lot of sports to talk about as we gear up towards the end of 2020 and look forward to 2021. College basketball in full effect. We might have to break that down, too. Got some boxing and UFC coming up. Big shout-out to Earl Spence, by the way. He uh, he won his uh, fight against Danny Garcia in the uh, boxing match this past weekend. So props to him. I want to see him take on Bud Crawford. I really do. We need that fight. Got college basketball, UFC. We got NBA and NHL coming back up. Tennis, we're going to see that as well in 2021. Still working on the, on the specifics there. But a lot in the world of sports. You can find it, all the analysis and breakdown here on the Money Mitch Effect. Subscribe. Leave a rating or a review on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Thank you again for listening. This was the Money Mitch Effect. And until next time, keep enjoying sports. Stay safe.